Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? Oh, I am just excited. As Big Kev, the Australian icon, used to say, I'm excited. How about yourself, Bartek? Good, good. Even you know, even though you're saying my name Bartek, I have looked at the last couple of episodes that we did, specifically the um, the the YouTube uploads, and I looked at the transcript. And for some reason, every time my name is said in the last couple of episodes, it comes up in all caps BK. Oh, I thought it was going to be music. When sometimes <laughs> I've got a musical the, name. The captions don't understand. They put just music. <laughs> in there, it's like it's music happening because it's rhythm. No, I you, guess you say Bartek, it is BK. Are you relation to DK? Mm-hmm. I'm Bonky Kong. <laughs> is there a BK in the DK universe? Is there a B Kong? Is there a I don't think anyone Baby got... Kong. Other than like King K Rule, no, I don't think there's too much just characters being known by initials. I mean, if they were. You know, there's already a, there's Diddy Kong. He's also, yeah, but I he guess, came DK. after he came after Donkey Kong, so mm. he'll be DKJ. Ah, uh, like he's not. Well, Donkey Kong Junior is also a character, <laughs> right? So it can't be Diddy Kong. <laughs> Have you not played Donkey Kong Three? I've never played a Donkey Kong game in my entire life. I've never owned one. At least I've I... played them maybe at a friend's place, but I've never owned or played one. And we're not doing. Do we care? Sadly, the Super Mario Brothers movie that features Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. We're not doing that today. I played the original one on NES emulator, of course, because wow, you weren't you? a real kid who had an NES. I didn't have an NES, no. Um, and I played sixty-four. Thank you for allowing us to know your history. And in now, 64, did you play it on emulator, the 64, or did you actually have a 64? I've never had a 64. Wow, you were, wow. As you, but when what I was, was a, your excuse? Why didn't you have one? Uh, I had PlayStation. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, me too. Dog, me too. I, I, I had have, a PlayStation, I had a Sega, um, yeah, all of that. I have played... On uh, I, there was a Nintendo sixty four like an uh, like holiday program I went to, um, and they had a couple of games. I remember they did have Donkey Kong sixty four, and I played the multiplayer oh. of that on an actual N sixty four. And was Diddy there? I can't remember who was in the multiplayer, but he is in that game. That is good. It's the, to DK, hear. it's the DK rap game, Ryan. Oh, of course. And we are not, in fact, a gamers podcast. We don't do gaming content unless it is video game movies, movies that are adaptations of video games. And we're not doing that either today. For, in fact, we are here to talk about a movie that has come recommended from you, the listening people. That's right. On our show, we have a cycle of recommendation in which people toss a film into the bucket and we pull it, out, pull it out and say, this is the one we're watching. And it starts wiggling and jumping about and we have to get the hook out of its mouth. And I previously recommended a movie. Bartek is going to recommend a, recommend a movie next. But this week it is on the listening people out there. And we have had a slew of Czech movies be recommended to us because we have covered a few Czechoslovakian films. Kind, kind of recommended to us. This one was. <laughs> yes. Well, we've had others of like, oh, you should check this out. Or this oh, one's right, good. Sorry, or this yes. one's the good. ones we haven't done yet. Yes, we have a slew for sure. What? What were you? Yes, we I'll, have I'll a slew you, of Czechoslovakian movies recommended to us in our I was list. Thinking, and now this is the was, first one we're actually doing I that's been recommended thinking, to us. Yeah, I know. I was thinking of ones we've done already and all of them recommended by you. 
Silly Billy. Now we're doing one no, by the listening. No, it's BK. Yeah, yeah, sure it is. Billy. Um, Billy K. Am I Billy for the rest of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, we leave We leave the name changes for our guest Oliver whenever they return and I just use a series of different names because they gave, they gave me, foolishly gave me permission to say whatever I want and... They are ruining that day right now, even. And, and two million people have apparently listened to it. Let's talk about the movie that is up for discussion. And what Czech movie are we diving into today? What one are we getting our fingers in the dirt of and scrounging around to see if there's oil underneath? Well, check this out, guys. The film that we are covering today... Or in this episode, you can listen to it any day. Or night. Um, or night, I guess. Yeah, or dusk. Speaking of days, tomorrow I'll wake up and scald myself with tea. Yeah, but what's the movie called, Bartek? We know that's your itinerary for tomorrow, but what's what's happening on today's podcast? On this episode, we are covering the film of which is titled, for sure, Tomorrow I'll Wake Up and Scald Myself with Tea. Oh, that's the name of the film. Yes. Of course it is. It's a Czech film from the 19... Yes. Was this a 70s one? Uh, yes. 77. Often the titles of these movies are very long and ludicrous and just statements of fact, and I love that about them. And It's really great. This film is available on YouTube with English subtitles, so if you have not had the opportunity to watch the film, it is freely available. It is up there. I say that you should. It's only 90 minutes long. It doesn't outstay its yeah, welcome. It's, 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 uh, it's on YouTube. It's like the emulator film. You know it's an emulator because at the end, did you stay to the end of the video? At the end, it has uh, uh, it flashes after the credits of what movie making program that they edited this on. They like the free free video I, maker I, I, or something. I, saw the, very I, funny. I scanned my cursor over the timeline. I didn't it was, see something blue. It was yeah. funny. It was very amusing. But oh, that was from the seventies, man. The film is there online. Look up the title. Just copy and paste what we've put here and watch it for yourself. The pitch of the movie is it's a science fiction time travel affair in which a group of uh, Nazis in the 1970s want to go back in time and prevent the war being lost for Nazi Germany and restore the glory and hijinks ensues from there. It is a comedy, of course, with many Czech films. They are often comedic. We have yet to do one that's dramatic in nature. Uh, we have had some recommended to us that are dramatic in nature that are also available on YouTube. So perhaps one day we'll get to a more serious one. But Let's go into, I guess, histories, relationships, or any kind of uh, preconceived notions of this film. But Bartek, you are the person on here that speaks another language than our own. You're the person who knows Polish. And Polish, does that have any kind of um, crossover with, with the Czech language by any chance? Is there any kind of overlapping there? A little bit. I think I've I, maybe I've mentioned it before. On and off the podcast, maybe. I'm not too sure. For those tuning in for the first ever time, maybe they need a bit of a refresher. So they're near geographically to one another. Yes, while one is north of the other and one is south of the other. Guess which one it is. At home. Email us in. Which one do you think it is? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. If, if you're thinking top to bottom, it's non-alphabetical order. 
Ooh, but the Czech language is uh, how how have you described it in the past from your Polish ears? Um, I've described it as kind of sounding like a silly version of Polish because a lot of the words are, are very similar, but like just slightly off. I, I think I've compared it a little bit to like if someone was speaking English with like a really exaggerated lisp or something like that. Like if I said, you know, my name is Bartek, like my name is Bartek or something like that. It's, like when we yeah. hear South Africans or New Zealanders, for instance, in which they, in their case, it's a, it's a thick accent difference. Mm. It's it's not that the language inherently is, you know, funny sounding. It's more of like an esoteric thing of like, you know, I'm so used to the Polish language that when I see a slight variation of it, it just seems a little bit funny to me. So can you read the the Czech version of this uh, title? See if you can, I can plow your way through so I can all try. of our Czech listeners can celebrate your stumbles. Yes, that's fine. Your, your language is silly to me. And so Bartek is silly <laughs> to you for getting it wrong. I'm fine with being silly. Also, I thought I was Billy. I, I'm changing it up. Okay, BK is now going to read this. Baby Boy Bartek. Um, from the w- very first sentence on the Wikipedia page for this film, uh, the Czech title is uh, Zitra Vstanu a Oparim Se Chayim. Chayim. And um, yeah, only that second word is familiar to me, Vstanu, which is very similar to Vstane, like I'll get up or I'll wake up. Oh, so do you have what this is in Polish by any chance? Yes, it's on the other tab on my phone. Bartek uses a phone nowadays. Yes. Um, gone is paper. Well, I used to use that netbook. Yeah, gone is the netbook now. A, cu- a couple of months ago, Rachel pushed it onto the ground. She pushed it onto the ground. For and, people that and, don't know, Rachel is Ryan's My significant wife. other. And, and the netbook cried. Mm. Because it was touched for the first time in years, and then every and by a woman by by no, and then every time every time Rachel came over after that, I put it like far far away from her. Yeah, yeah. So what is it in Polish? Tomorrow I wake up and score myself with tea. Yes, uh, from filmweb.pl, a website I used a lot on unappreciated masterpieces. Jutro uh, wstanę rano i opaże się herbatom. Ooh, this this has an extra detail. The the, the third word in this is rano. Okay. Which means, uh, like, early, like, I'll wake up early. Oh, very the, good. Yes, the po- Poland is adding their own little details to the title, like, oh, we're, we're better than you, Czech. What, what I know the difference between the Czechs and the Poles is the Poles are very punctual. Hmm. They want to get there early. They don't get there early, but they want to get there early. Well, they need to get up early because on Sundays you got to go to church, man. And scold yourself with tea. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie. I have seen this before. I was gathering a bunch of uh, of uh, these Czech films, I should say, uh, finding which ones were easily available, ones that were on YouTube, ones that had English subtitles, ones that had funny names or recurring actors that we have seen in previous Czech films. And I made a little playlist as like six or seven movies I've gathered on just YouTube alone. There's ones on my watch list that I need to track down physical copies of. There's ones in my DVD collection that I have. And this was one of those. This was one I found, yes, on YouTube, of course, and I was so happy to see it. Didn't know what the premise of it was going to be. Just the title was 
funny enough, and it had a good rating, and people talked about it positively online, and it had some of those actors we've seen in things like Lemonade Joe, or Dinner for Adele, or of course the lead actor in the last Czech film we did on this podcast, Mm. is the villain in this movie, one of the villains in this movie too. Uh, We're probably going to be mentioning... To gentlemen, I murdered Einstein, or whatever the yeah. the structure of that title was, a lot because the premises of these two films are noticeably similar, but very different in execution. Da- down to the fact that he is the, I would say, like the lead member of the main trio. Yes, gentlemen, I killed Einstein. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and this was a real pleasure for me. This was the most overtly 1970s of the Czech movies we have watched. Yeah, the music the, was very The music, funky. the fashion, the, the, the cultural stuff in there as well. I just had a real great time with this. I watched it earlier in the year, and then it was recommended to us, and I'm like, hey, I know it's available to watch, so let's just, uh, you know, did, get this here. Did you note down who recommended it? I, I, you know what? I, I forgot. I need to, you know, I need to slap myself on the wrist and say, naughty boy Ryan here, yeah. because they were added, uh, but you added them, and I just went, oh, I know that one, and I just put it on a list, and I, I, I was there when you looked at the list, like, oh, I'll go with this one, but. <laughs> Uh, for yourself, Bartek, I mentioned this earlier in the year. I even mentioned this film on the podcast, and I didn't really give anything away. I did say, in our gent- um, gent- Gentleman, I Killed Einstein, watch the opening credits. They're very funny. That's all I said. I said, I do believe I said, it's weird to watch a movie that's opening credits are like a YouTube poop. That's what I said. <laughs> and then... I don't know if either you or Sean checked it out, but... I didn't, but I loved the opening credits. Let's uh, hear from you a bit more. So, what did you uh, feel about this movie? What did you think going into it? And what did you think coming out? Well, I think you're asking me what my history is with this film. And my history is that I haven't seen it before. Um, you, you cheated on me in this one, where you know most of the Czech films we experience for the first time together. Mm-hmm. Like, Lemonade Joe is the exception, because that was you discovering this great cinema. Um, but this one you watched on your own and it was like, oh, you didn't say it for a movie night, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I'm watching it the same year you did. So that that kind of makes up for it. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about this film. Uh, I, obviously I saw what the title was and it reminded me of the structure of a lot of the other Czech titles that we've watched. So I figured, okay, this is still going to be a, a comedy in that kind of vein. It might not be directed by Ulrich Lipsky. Um, but it might still be like that. And I, you know what? My expectation was spot on there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it it had the same writers, I think, as Gentleman I Killed Einstein. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. Uh, (laughs) It's an industry with a certain pool of talent. So you'll see recurring names and faces. All the films that we've watched so far, you know, regardless of, you know, if it's all the Lipsky ones and then like the two that aren't are all from that, like, 60s to 80s time. Mm-hmm. Because Adela was 80s, right? I think like that really one was... Early? Oh, I think that one was either really early or 80s or really late 70s. But, yeah, it was right yeah. at the tail end of that time. I think it is one of the newer ones we've watched, which, you know, still older, older than us by over a dozen years. Um, but, yeah, I, I walked into this one blind... Um, and I have to say the, not even just the opening credits, but like the opening leading up to 
the credits as well. It was just like, oh, well, this this is really what I wanted. Yeah, you. <laughs> the film opens with, you know, these these guys are in this building and they enter this room. You don't know what's going on. And then a bunch of guys in the room do the the Nazi salute, Heil Hitler. It's like, okay, okay, mm. Nazism is a thing <laughs> in in this film. And then they have a quick conversation about like, hey. We got time travel. We got a bomb. Let's give it to Hitler. Hey, don't forget the most important detail. A bird is also in the scene. Well, right. I'm not going like minute details. I mean, I'm I'm just giving the general flow oh, of saying, my point. That was the most important because it's so fucking absurd that the bird is also a Nazi. Like they're all Nazis. Ryan, Everyone's a Nazi. Ryan, well, we're gonna get to the bird, but I, I need to <laughs> I need to finish my point. Go on. So they enter the room, they do the Heil Hitler, and yes, a bird does Heil Hitler as well. The wing, he doesn't do it with its wings, but it says it. So, yeah. <laughs> they establish, hey, it's the future, we've got time travel, we've got this big bomb, let's give it to Hitler. And then the opening credits happen. <laughs> <laughs> the music kicks in first. You get, you get and some, then the opening credits. You get some very funky 70s music. Very funky. And as you described with the YouTube poop, you have a lot of... I don't know if we can call it stock footage. You have footage historical of, footage, historical footage of Hitler speeches and uh, Nazi troops like marching, and <laughs> sometimes it's playing normally, sometimes it's playing in reverse. But a lot of the time, it's leading up to a funny loop of the animation. <laughs> so that it's, it's like you know Hitler raises his arm to like the full salute and then he goes to lower it and then he raises it but, again but, real but, quick but the loop is that like oh it goes lower and then up and then lower and then up and <laughs> these credits go for like three and a half minutes or something like that and, and they're you, glorious and they're glorious and there are so many different loops of like I think with the soldiers marching it's mostly just reverse but with the Hitler one it's always just finding new ways to make him look like an idiot idiot yeah like there's one point where he's like you know brushing his like swooping his, swooping hair, back. his hair back and it's like oh he, he's like just rubbing it back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> it's them playing with the editing of archive footage of Hitler and yeah. the troops, and all while funky seventies music is playing. Very like very electronic and psychedelic funky seventies music plays. It is absolutely amazing it, it, because that opening, as silly as it is, like with them all hiling and 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 the the premise being immediately set up, and we have the bird there. There's still a level of like, well. Look, it's not cartoony level silly. Like in Gentleman, I Killed Einstein, its opening is like up to 11 straight away. This one's at a good seven of absurdity. Yeah, this one didn't begin with nudity. And then, and women with beards. And then this one's one is, oh, we raise it to 11 when we get to the opening credits, Mm. baby. That's when we punch you in the face with how zany we're going to be. I I I think I nearly fell off my couch laughing at that when it starts. I was like, "Oh, what a big it or too because this I and it isn't being used lightly, but this really is like a YouTube poop. Like that that opening credit sequence is something that the early days of YouTube would do in which people just kind of troll around and figure out that they can edit things themselves and play around with movie maker or whatever the fuck it is and just do something zany and weird and off the beaten path and it's just playful and that's what i really liked about this movie is it's very playful Mm. yeah in in a lot of ways again we're going to compare this quite a bit to the einstein film um 
I think this film worked much better with its structure. I know that with the Einstein thing, one of the big things that I always got stuck on was like, oh, yeah, they 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 do the thing where they go back in time. The time loop. Yeah, the time loop. They go back in time. doesn't go too well. They come back to the present. They go back again. And like, oh, it felt like it needed like a rule of threes thing. They only did it like the one time. Like, so you only got two mm. versions. This one, it it doesn't go for like the full story it still kind of only does it twice but you do get like three versions of at least the present stuff Mm. um and it does play around with like the specific recurring events it's not like oh we'll play this one out completely differently um so yeah definitely a lot more playful definitely uh even setting you up for like okay um, these exact things are going to happen again, but already they've, you know, butterfly affected it to where they won't happen. And like already new things are playing out, or like alternative events are playing out. And there's also an element that you see in many time travel stories. Uh, and in many of them, it's not a vocalized thing. It is just through action that time itself or the universe or fate or destiny is trying to either course correct and or punish the people that are messing with time because these Nazis that are messing with time, it's almost like the fabric of reality is going out of its way to screw with them, but it's never stated in the movie. It's just, that's just how it is. Like, oh, this guy gets out of the car and immediately gets run over. Fuck you. Fuck you to this guy. Or the, 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 the head one, the really smart one, he gets executed in the past. Like, it just... It is that thing in many time travel stories like uh, like this. It they it's either a spoken or unspoken rule of you can't play God with this stuff, and if you do, it just causes a real big mess, and it's almost like the 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 entity of time is trying to fix itself, and to do that, it's going to fuck with the people that's messed with time. You know what film I thought about with this? Uh, weirdly enough. I thought about, I'm forgetting its name, the Clint Eastwood movie we did earlier in the year. the one with Every Which Way But Loose. Every Which Way But Loose. And I know that's a weird one to pull, but I'm pulling it anyway because what this and that have in common is they're comedies. They're comedies from a certain era, from the 70s to the 80s, and they just have a certain lax quality to them, but they're these over-the-top silly farces that underneath all of the jokes, underneath all of the gags, there's a loathing and a hatred for Nazis. <laughs> and that's what I I fucking adore about this movie is it really is evident and clear that Nazis are a fucking joke. They should be not even pitied. We should spit on them. We should celebrate when they die. We should celebrate their failures. We should go out of our way to keep screwing with them. And I love that about this movie. This movie is very anti-fascist. It's like, fuck the fascists all the way through. And it's doing that while still having very moving sequences. It's like, this movie's funny, but also on the occasion, it will just throw in a very haunting haunting little scene. And it's like, oh yeah, this movie's about like fighting fascists. Like, that's not always supposed to be like a joke. And this movie will take a little sidebar and go, don't forget, Fascists are genuinely awful. They're not just boobs. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what uh, we've come across with a few movies over the years of just, we can have all of our, you know, we can have our cake and eat it too and make fun of the Nazis. But also, you need to make sure to 
not forget that they were genuinely awful. Yeah, we've we've talked about that a few times. I, I always, you know, reference there's that Lindsay Ellis video where it's talking about Mel Brooks's stance on it, where <clears throat> if you're going to depict the Nazis and things, don't make them look cool or powerful or, you know, desirable. You know, make them the butt of the joke, and this film 100% does that. And it's not just that, too. They, they make them... Uh morally despicable because you get that one in the group who's just who who lived through the loop and he's now deciding that i need to kill the duplicates Mm. and he's just so matter of fact about it and it's like you don't even have an allegiance to your own group you're just out for yourself you're like sick and that guy did you recognize that actor, the the one with the little pencil mustache though i guess you would say the the more prevalent of the nazi group I, I know who you're talking about, but no, I, was he in one of the other things we did? Lemonade Joe. He's the bartender. He's the bartender that switches allegiances of the bars. He's the one that's always there. He's the one that puts pepper in their drinks. He's the bartender. Okay. Isn't that fun? Yeah. A yeah. bit of an understated character from that film. Yes, and he's yeah. been. I think he's been in one or two other things we've done. I know he has a lead role in an, uh, in a Lipsky movie that I hope to get a copy of. Uh, called Happy End, in which the movie's in reverse. The entire oh, yeah, movie's in yeah, reverse. Yeah, we've talked about that Where it's the end credits start, and his head is in a basket, and it rolls back onto his body. <laughs> and you're like, how did he get here? Uh, but, uh, I yeah, I, I was so happy revisiting this. I loved it the first time. I, I don't know if I laughed. As, oh, here's the thing. I think it's better structured, as you say, in comparison to the very similar movie, Gentleman, I Killed Einstein, but I found Gentleman I Killed Einstein to just have certain funnier things, and it just it tickled my funny bone more than this movie does. But this movie, I admire it a lot more. That's the difference. Like I admire this well, one. I, I can see what you mean. By uh, that. Time travel rules, its ideas, its its universe. Like even in the quote unquote modern day, it's still in a sci fi world. Mm. where they have time travel airports. If, if you're not paying attention, you might think like, oh, this is, you know, just the modern day. But then you have all these like weird little things where it's like, you know, the the airport where like all the flights aren't to countries, they're to time periods or to, to people, I think some of them even were. Yeah. Like, oh, the, this flight to Alexander the Great or something like that was one of the lines. Like, what a bizarre thing. Like... <laughs> I can see this being like a David Lynch thing. <laughs> and or the technology such as we have just this detergent yeah, that disintegrates and evaporates any substance we put it on, including people, which seems very re- reckless and yeah. scary, but it works. And um, yeah, and this, this film, of course, going back to the stylings of these Czech films that we've watched, it has a lot of very funny little whimsical sound effects. Like we have... A minor running joke in the film where that villain who we were just talking about before, he's got a car where the boot just keeps opening if you even like tap the car. And every time it opens, you get like a slide whistle. <laughs> but it's like a, a synthesizer slide whistle too. It's like a zoop. Yeah. It makes me think of Dinner for Adele where he's throwing things out the window and there were like laser sounds <laughs> for no reason. It's not yeah. even in and, a sci-fi setting, that movie. And I think the, the detergent has its own sound effect when it's being yeah. used. What I... Talking about the sounds, I really did uh, like adore, and it wasn't played for jokes, but it it emphasized how this is a movie that's going to keep backtracking on itself a lot, and that there's going to be repetition. But 
the soundscape of the movie was so deliberate in terms of getting us acquainted with certain sounds, and when we hear them again and again and again and again, it's almost like they are the the buoys in the sea that we can attach ourselves to and go, okay, I know where I am because of this buoy here. And it's like every time they cut to the airport, you have that music over the top of it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't replicate it with my mouth right now, but you know that sound like the dong, dong, dong. And the clock had a yeah, sound to it. And there's so many things like that, whether it's pieces of music or dialogue or, or just soundscape. And I thought... Out of all the movies we've done from from uh, from Czechoslovakia, you know, former Czechoslovakia, this is the one where the 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 music and the sound was the the most important in in the film itself. Like it was so emphasized in this because underlying in your mind is that telling you like when we eventually circle back around to this you're already accustomed to that because the film has already circled back yeah, around the, the to lots film, of things in an audio sense. The film wants to condition you these to these condition these sounds to events or locations or props. The film is honestly about two twin brothers, one of which is a piece of shit and he chokes to death because he laughs maniacally while eating and that's very funny. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the actual we, we've talked about the basic plot but focusing on the Nazis, the twin brothers come into it where one of the twin brothers, you know, really nice guy. One of them is a piece of shit, and the piece of shit works at the time travel thing in the in this setting, which is the time uh, travel airport. Yeah, yeah, the time travel airport, which is more rocket ship than airplane. Um, and yeah, he's a he's a pilot, and he is he's made a deal with the Nazis to like help them out because he's a piece of shit. He's a capitalist. He's a capitalist, and um. Yeah, and and you you get you a lot of the rules are established before we get the scene where he dies, where it's like, okay, we've made a deal with with him in this. These are our secret code words. Um, this is what he's gonna do during the plan. This briefcase. This briefcase, this and then the and then we're gonna yeah. mi- then he's gonna invite us into this room at this time, and then this will happen, and this will happen. Okay, you've you've established the itinerary of the film. Um, you get the scene where you meet him and his brother, and at the end of it, he chokes to death on that bread roll and dies. And uh, you you learn of the the nice brother, who is our main character. He's of the, the film, main character. Uh, John. Their names were Charles and John. Yep. John's the good one. Charles is the bad one. Um, uh, John takes it upon himself because they're identical twins to. Uh, take that brother's identity because he's he's established earlier that you know you've got all these great things in your life and you take them for granted you're going to squander all this if i had your life i would be you know so happy um you've got a fiance who worships the ground you walk on and you are just going to treat her like shit you have the job i wish i could have you have the job i wish i could have the job that i helped create for you because i think he states he helped build yeah which the is rockets. why which is why he was able to pilot it mm-hmm. yes yeah he um, knows the technicals but not the legitimate practical experience yep and and while he's got the doctor who's like in the middle of writing the death certificate and hasn't worked out which brother is dead yet he's on the phone to this fiance who's distraught and in that little moment of like i don't want to upset her he decides okay i i'm i'm charles john is the one that died um and then that basically leads into like you know you you've seen movies before they're going to be hijinks based around this where oh he doesn't know that his brother was going to be working with these nazis and going to go with all this plan and the the code words that they said was just innocuous things that he's like 
Yeah. Yeah, those are those are true facts. Yes. The, the armchairs, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. He's looking at his armchairs it's like, like it's, I don't know, yeah. It's like for people that haven't seen the film, one of the codes was his other other suits in the closet or something like that. And he looks at his uniform in the closet and is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the response was meant to be something like, uh, well, then you better put them in there. And he's like, and the camera even pans over to the closet and it's like, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> Another uh, aspect to this is uh, John, a noble character, now is taking his brother's identity, learning about how nefarious and awful he is, but also learning how little people care about him, like the real, like John. Because mm. he goes around telling everyone that my brother, John, died, and no one cares. They, they all give this fawning, oh, that's upsetting. Either way, like no yeah. one gives a fuck about him. There's, in fact, you learn that many characters haven't even met him, and then he points out, no, no, you have. And then they go, have I? Uh, he's just nothing. He's an absolute like zero to everyone like he doesn't appear on the radar at all so now he can take on his brother's life this brother who is this gallivanting pilot who has a fiance and then he finds out that he's cheating on the fiance with the co-workers this and this mm. and he now is working with these fascists and it's like oh his brother lives like a an, like a, a spy's life almost yeah. and especially before he gets on the the time travel ship um, it plays out a lot like the Australian TV show, like, Thank God You're Here, where it's mm. like, you know, he gets into a situation where a character knows their relationship or what they've been through, and they bring up these things, and he's like, has to play along with it. He's improving, yes, ending. Yes, ending. Yes, ending. It's like, uh, I, I, my, you know, my brother died, I need to, you know, have a little short break. And it's like, okay, fine, have your break, but then come back to work. Like, oh, what, what time do I start again? <laughs> and the boss tells him, and he's like, oh, and he improved his way to get the answer. Uh, I'm here to flap a flapper. And he's like, oh, I don't know who you are, so please don't hurt me. And it's like, now you're going to insult me by pretending you don't know who my wife is? Fuck you. Ah, oh, so, so many great moments. And you, you said earlier that you've seen a film before when when you get these hijinks of, uh, you know, twins assuming each other's identities or being mistaken for one another. This is where the sci-fi comes in brilliantly is then it becomes time loop doubles and mm. there's multiples running around and, and you are having a hard time keeping track of which one's which. Yeah, and, that's, that's... And, and like where they go. But I didn't find it too confusing, but there were points where I'm like, okay, so kind of get a flow chart out a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't too confusing, but that's definitely one element that I would say it had over Einstein. I did like that they had the multiple versions of themselves running around that that added an element to it. And in all versions of the timeline, Charles must die. Yeah, there's, yeah, end of the film. Uh, there are two identical individuals, you know, that look the same, you know, running around, but they're both John. What again? What I was saying before about the loathing of fascists is prevalent with the fact that the brother always dies. He always dies because he's not a sympathetic person. We shouldn't like him. We shouldn't want him to live. And even his own nice, good-hearted brother by the end of it is like, no, fuck him. He was a fascist. Like, he even goes beyond, like, the, the Nazis are like, oh, he's just a capitalist who's using us. And then throughout the adventure, they begin to think, oh, maybe he's better than that. And then they realize, oh, it's his twin brother. Oh, hijinks. But... John realizes that his brother is more than just a, a selfish 
philandra who's in it for money he's like no my brother he's trying to contribute to the rise of the third reich he's a fucking fascist fuck him (laughs) fuck him he can choke to death for all i care like and he doesn't do it in such a aggravated way that i'm saying but uh, that that's a choice being made on the movie's part of no matter what we cannot let this guy live because we've established that in a way he's the biggest villain in the whole movie this guy who doesn't really have an allegiance to the Nazis, but he'll do it anyway because he's a selfish piece of shit. He's cheating on his wife, whose family are all a bunch of fucking circus freaks or trapeze artists, and they'll kill themselves, the fiancé, if she finds out anything. All these horrible things about Charles you learn, and you're like, good. Watch him choke to death, and you're like, good. And then when they detergent, they put the detergent on his body, and he just eats him up. You just smile and go, yeah, good. Oh, that that sorted out one of the conflicts. <laughs> that sorted out one of the problems that they have to get through. Yeah, this movie has a lot of moving pieces, a lot of characters, and a lot of characters are duplicated, doubles, and loops of time. And it it is really exhilarating, though. At the same time, uh, it has this moment where you know it's going to be gold because it uses a lot of great movie and storytelling tricks of the trade that we've seen before. This is doing it, though, in its own special formula, which is, I guess, the quote-unquote Americans arrive to the story at the airport, (laughs) the old people, and they have a similar suitcase to the one that has the hydrogen bomb in it that the Nazis must give to Hitler, and you know, oh... Yeah, you've seen Oscar before. <laughs> you've seen movie, yes, you've seen the movie Oscar before, uh, starring Tim Curry and Marissa Tomei as the best couple yeah. ever. I think Sylvester Stallone was in that film. Stallone was there too, and uh, one of the Simpsons guys was in it, as well as a funny Italian. Uh, but that briefcase, you get that introduced, and you're like, okay... Now I definitely know what type of movie I'm in for. It's going to be one of these in which they're going to try and do their time travel plan and it's all going to keep falling apart because of just these misunderstandings or these simple little things that they can't account for. And then they're going to try and redo it again, but there's going to be more complications and more and more and more and more. And I'm a sucker for those type of comedies. Mm. As are you. It's one, of those, of it's one of those things you see coming and it's like, let me see the execution. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine of yeah. comedy. I know the punchline, but like, show me the lead up to it. <laughs> ah, so uh, where do you want to go from here? What do you want to dive in and talk about? Yeah, we, we jumped around a fair bit. Um... There's a lot of time travel. Yeah, it's it's not that I'm lost for words. It's like, well, where do we start is the thing. <laughs> uh, we've talked about the... So, yeah, the film begins with a lot of misunderstandings going, okay, I, we'll talk a little bit still about the lead-up to getting on the rocket ship. So we have a lot of uh, our main character as his now-deceased twin brother going around the airport... Um, like learning about his brother, his relationships with other people, you know, what what they thought about him, mm-hmm. like him actual self. Um, and we have the Nazis who, you know, they've laid out the plan, they have the co-conspirator, and they're waiting for him to make moves. And I really liked how, <laughs> you know, there are the many points in the film where they get fed up with him, but in this early part here, 
one of them is interpreting our main character's actions as like, oh, he's good, he's good. Like, no, he, he's he's currently struggling a little bit. Oh, we'll we'll send someone to call him over to the bar so he can have a chat with us. Once he sees us, you know, then he'll come talk to us. Um, they he gets sent over to the bar. He comes in. He like looks around. He like kind of goes up to other people. Like he just happens to glance at one of them. Then he leaves and. You know, one of them's complaining, like, what's he doing? It's like, no, that was great. That was really great. I, I really liked how they, there was a lot of over-interpretation going mm. on there. And one bit of, they do this later on in the film, and it's a really good sign of character development for our main character, is that one of the, only one of the Nazis from the first loop is still alive and active in the second loop. Um, it's the the one with the car that yeah, we mentioned, the, the, the bartender, the yeah. moustache, moustache bartender from uh, Lemonade Joe. Uh, he goes onto the the ship in the second loop, and at this point, you know, in the first loop, our main character obviously was struggling through everything. He was fucking up a lot of the plans. He wasn't inviting them to do this. He thing. lost their trust. He lost their trust, and he also found out that like, oh, it wasn't even it wasn't even the guy. It was his brother. Now he's in the second loop and he thinks that everything's going right. This is the actual brother, but it's still our main character from that first loop in the second one as well. But now he knows the plan and he's playing along with it. And he makes a comment about how like, yes, finally, everything is going much better this time because we've got the actual guy and it shows that our main character has gotten smart. He almost got... He got executed. They ex- gangland styled him that 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 particular Nazi, and he survived because he grabbed his brother's like um what was it? It was like his cigarette case, I do believe, or like I, razor. Or I, I can't remember what it was. It was a metal but, case, yeah. but they established that early on. And so he's aware of how dangerous these people are. First go around, he was just bumbling his way through and just really didn't understand. And as you said, now he knows their plan. Now he knows how dangerous they are. He can play along and undermine them. He's no longer just a, a like a Peter Sellers character who's just uh, bumbling their way through genius plans. Now, no, now he is someone who is an active participant in the story rather than just having the story happen to them. And that's great development for the character. And I love this actor's performance as well. He really differentiates the brothers, mm. but also differentiates the timeline versions of the character of John, the 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 earlier time of him, then him he's gone on this loop once or twice. He just he really does a like seamless performance with this. I never questioned which John I was watching really outside of maybe just like oh i'm trying to keep track of like the timeline but usually i could figure out which john it was because of his performance especially as it gets later on he's becoming a little bit more manic as it goes because he's getting frustrated and he's trying to reach people and he's having to realize that i can't explain time travel Mm. (laughs) to myself (laughs) there was that marvelous scene where he gets picked up from the junkyard and the guy in the truck lets him use his uh, radio or his phone. And <laughs> yes. then he gets f- so fed up with this guy's bullshit, he kicks him out. And, and our main character is like, what the fuck? Why, why did this happen to me? Ah, forget it. Well, if you know the future, you know someone will pick you up. Okay, you got me there. They uh, eventually... Oh, I don't want to skip over this one thing. The fiancé and her family. <laughs> Ever. That's one of those things where I say, thank you, check. Thank you, the checks, because 
no other film, no other country would be brave enough to have that family just be presented like that's a matter of fact and you should accept it. <laughs> they are like bouncing on trampolines, throwing knives. They got like there's stuff coming up and. There was some comedic reasons for it, of course, and even plot thing in one of the in one of the moments. But it was just so funny to me. That's like, yes, and his beautiful fiance who loves him so much. We're on the phone to the mother, and in the background, she's on a trampoline. By the way, it's like okay, interesting. And then you go there, and he, there's a guy throwing knives. I just loved how ludicrous and over the top <laughs> that was. Just and they and they never played it up as a big joke it was just there's no big comedic set pieces with her, uh, with the fiance and her family just their existence well, was funny I, enough i don't know the the trampoline incident was was pretty much a set piece for me <laughs> yeah like i look at that as just like a, a consequence of something but like i don't think of it as like a, a big comedy set piece in the way that perhaps other moments in this movie play out like 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 when they actually go back in time and they go to Nazi Germany and you have the big comedic set piece of the suitcase and and the projector and and, and them trying to explain to Hitler like the calendar like that to me is like a big comedic set piece of just comedy of error upon comedy of error upon comedy of error upon comedy of error now the Americans are here and they're slapping Hitler and yelling at him and doing all of this stuff that to me is an example of that while the trampoline bit's like oh it's kind of funny they threw him on the trampoline and then they bounced off no, uh, well, they threw him on the trampoline, and then she joined him on the trampoline, and then, like, the brother who is trying to get back at him jumps on the trampoline, true. and now there are so many people on the trampoline that they, they, they lose- They cannot sustain. That they lose balance, and then they all fall off it the roof and die. It is amazing. Once you say it out loud, it very much is that, but again, what I want to emphasize, and this is the difference, too, of direction. Lipsky, who we've done- all the other Czech movies we've talked about have been Lipsky movies- he films those in a very uh, specific way, while this was filmed for the majority of the time, very matter-of-fact. Very matter-of-fact. To me, this isn't filmed like it's a comedy movie all that much. It's just kind of filmed just, here it is, here it is. And it's relying on the actors and the dialogue. And, of course, silly technology thing, like the, the spray them in the face when they go green, or the sound effects. But just on a visual level, it's just... We're framing the shot. Very workmanlike in its approach, which I think works in this movie's favor because it gets complicated. And if it was complicated on a visual level, like, say, Lipsky movie is, it could maybe get a little overwhelming. I think we talked about that with Gentleman I Killed Einstein, where it's like, okay, we've got a lot to process here in this movie. And this one, I, I thought they just did it, they they shot it and just moved on. It was very just stock standard, but in a good way that benefited the film in my eyes, at least. I seem to remember that the trampoline scene had a bit of fast-forwarding stuff going on, but maybe I'm just misremembering. Mm, it, may, it may have, but... It's like the bouncing was much faster than it looked natural, I think. Yeah. I, I might be wrong. But they do go back to the Nazi era of Germany. Mm-hmm. They got there a little early. Yeah. They they thought that they were going back on this specific date in 1944, like a few minutes before, you know, a really big event was going to happen that, like, would spell the defeat of the German side. Um, and they got the the date right, but not the year. They were three years early. When Germany was... F- crushing it where they were at their at their peak we yeah. find out that they were 
doing very well in the war. Yeah, the Nazis were doing a good job. They were really nailing it. Uh, from a military standard, and that was the confusion, right? These guys come in and say, yeah, we know you're losing. It's like, what? No, we're not. <laughs> Get these guys out of here. <laughs> Get these fuckers out of here. Be, be thankful I'm not having you up against the wall and shot. Yeah, you know, we, we I mentioned the Mel Brooks thing earlier about, it, you know, making Nazis silly. This film doesn't quite go to the same extent where, you know, the Nazis are ludicrously, farcically bumbling buffoons, but... It, it it played it a lot more subtly the the buffoonery like Hitler I mean you you see in the YouTube poop opening credits you know you see actual Hitler there um, and if you look past the you know the the goofy editing and the music you are seeing Hitler doing what he does what he did what Hitler did um, you know speeches you know the confident look and the actor playing him in the film. <laughs> I liked how he played Hitler getting, like, fed up with things happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, just f- people kept coming into the room, distracting Hitler from his little planning with his group. Um, He'd keep calling upon Himmler. So almost like Himmler was yeah, his maid ca- calling or his, nanny. Like, his butler to, like, all right, can you sort this out now, please? And our, our kind of leader of the Nazi trio, um, he's trying to play that whole... A time travel trope where you're revealing that you're a time traveler by showing like, oh, look, I can predict events. And he's like trying to go through all these things like in exactly three and a half minutes, you will receive a phone call from this person telling you this this major piece of news. And that will make you realize that I am telling the truth. And Hitler is like half half about it where he's like, okay, let's actually see this play out, but also three and a half minutes, I'm going to get impatient, like, 30 seconds in and try to, you know, rush off this whole thing. And he orders, like, executions left and right for these guys. And, yeah, you're really seeing the Nazi plan fall apart. And, whoa, the the journey there, too, is insane because they stop this car and there's, like, an admiral inside and they just spray a thing in his face that makes his whole body go green Mm -hmm. and he goes stiff. And that becomes very important because the Nazis find this guy because they just dumped his body out and they find him, bring him in, and he's still able to talk and he's like blaming them and they've broken this guy's leg off because they were carrying him and it broke off and he's like (laughs) screaming in pain and his leg falls down and the mother Nazis tries to pick it up and put it under their shoulder like nothing's uh, nothing's happening and it's all fine and what I found just such a moment of the movie all of this hijinks has had we you know you and I this is catnip for us. We love the absurdity of these Czech movies and how how they just have this certain energy to them and these ludicrous yet enjoyable premises and characters. But in each one of them, there's a legitimately great moment of filmmaking and or drama. And when they have Hitler watching the projection on the, on the wall of the defeat of Germany and him learning about how things go that was unironically just masterfully done and moving I was like oh my god like it's Hitler obviously I I hate him but it's like this is not played for laughs this is just a genuine moment it's like that there that idea that, that that scene that could be 
the heart for a pitch of a genuinely serious version of this movie's premise. Yeah, this is like Hitler going through a nightmarish realization and it, we we should emphasize as this this film, you know, is about time looping and you know, you have recurring scenes and things like that and you do have a second time where they come back to this 1941 period. Hitler's only really in this first loop. It's just for this one scene where he's, you know, doing the plan and having all the misunderstandings. And, like, the last I really remember seeing of him, unless I'm mistaken, is this, like, little scene that we're talking about now where uh, he's he's watching the projection of his downfall. And and he gets it. He understands what it is. Yeah, he's, he's panicking. He throws the projection distraught. And, yeah, it... it Let's just say neo-Nazis won't find it cool. <laughs> it's a short film. That moment's like a little short film. Yeah. And it was just executed perfectly. And it didn't take away from the the slapstick or the or the high comedy that is here, but it adds to not only the stakes, but I guess the emotional core that's here too, because this movie... Although silly, this isn't as um, throwaway silly and light and fluffy like some of the other Czech movies we've done. This isn't going to have the high highs of something like Dinner for Adele where one of the characters is grabbing a sausage out of his pocket and eating it all the time because that's funny. This movie doesn't go for those type of gags and instead it goes for the gag of the premise itself. Like the premise is the gag of like, how can we fuck around with time travel? What's the way we we fuck around with looping back and forth and making the Nazis fail constantly and having them lose? Like, what do we do there? Instead of any of the characters themselves being particularly funny, which I I appreciate. It's a, it's a diversity of of the range of comedy because in my eyes, no one specific character in this movie or performance I would say was hilarious. In comparison to say, when we do other Czech films, we can even tell you actors or characters that are like, yeah, oh, they're like, always they're very funny. Yeah. Oh, anyone in Lemonade Joe is. You know, amazing, pretty much. Our favourite. Milos Kopecki, I think. Milos Kopecki, who yeah. I missed in this. He would have been great as Hitler. But I don't know if you agree with that statement or not. Did you find, like, any particular character to be funny? Because I found it was more the circumstances they were in. The closest I could say are the Americans. Because they, they do kind of have that sort of back and forth where every back and forth they have with each other, they say their names at the end, which are Patrick and Shirley. <laughs> Usually it's Shirley speaks first and says, like, isn't that right, Patrick, or something like that. And it's like, yes, absolutely, Shirley, or something like that. <laughs> they clearly hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> and and when they get when they get sat down on the plane um, and the Nazis reveal that they're, you know, going to hijack the whole flight. They're excited. Shirley has an initial reaction of, like, genuine delight. Like, ooh, I'm getting to see a real hijacking. (laughs) (laughs) They were funny. Like, they were the closest to me of just, like, genuinely hilarious. While the rest of them, they served the... The, the purpose of, like, oh, it's kind of funny to see this one get the downfall of of the body in the trunk is going to get them in this way or this or this or this. And our main character, he's the straight man. He never really gets a lot of zingers or funny moments. His funny stuff is coming from being 
in a time travel story and having to comprehend it and then explain it and then progress through it. And for that sake, it does it like really well. And I just, like I said, I, 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 the, there's a mean streak in the movie too. Like they go through this loop. The Nazis get completely fucking owned in the movie. Like the the head one that was uh, wanting this all to happen because he's a younger version of himself in the past and all of this. He gets executed. <laughs> he gets stuck in the past and, and his beloved Third Reich turn on him because they don't give a fuck about... Well, didn't he, he got executed by his younger self, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like His beloved image of himself and of the Third Reich is this nostalgic haze. Well, in reality, if you have one thing out of line, they'll fucking shoot you in the head. Yeah. Because you do not meet the standards. And and he's already suspicious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that, there's that mean streak. And then the one who survives the loop, he immediately just executes our main character. Thankfully, our main character lives, of course. But there was a moment of doubt. It's like, oh, is our main character dead? Because we then cut back to the start of the time loop again. And it's like, oh, maybe this one's going to go through it and somehow it changes. And then when he, the one that survives, the, the mustached one, he comes in to explain to the other two about how the how they've already tried and this is what happened and this is what went wrong. And then he proceeds to shoot one of them because like, well, there's already one that exists. Yeah. And he's saved the he saved uh, Charles, he assumes. He doesn't know that their guy has failed. Um and just they then casually make jokes about how they just executed this guy and just it's fine. He has a very matter of fact, you know, rule about like there can only be, you know, one version of anyone in the timeline, so you know, one has to die, and he even has to, he even says it about himself. The main reason is I don't want to have to split a paycheck between two of us. Mm. That's his reason. <laughs> That's his reason. And he makes a joke about uh, and think about this guy's poor wife. It's bad enough to have one of him. It's like so so just brutal in that way. And then when those characters are get their comeuppance again and again, it's just it's just a joy. It's such a joy. That was my favorite aspect of the movie was just seeing these Nazis get their comeuppance. But again, the thing to emphasize, if you have not seen the movie before, these characters, like these three fascists, are not played as like bumbling buffoons. This isn't Home Alone or something. Like They're played as genuine. Yeah. Those actors aren't playing it up for for laughs or anything like they are playing it as if this is a drama no, they're, they're played as genuinely as like the the leads of the einstein film even where those ones were the heroes yeah and the, 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 what did you think about when the movie did start to play around with what we had seen before and backtrack and fill in some details of things that we maybe got tipped off about earlier when it starts to do the the full time travel timey wimey stuff. No, yeah, I did like because um in the second loop, I mean, I mentioned how in the the first Nazi scene, um the the Nazi characters were trying to you know predict events that were coming up and then that failed on them, and even our hero in the second loop was having that happen to him as well, where he was on the phone with his brother's boss and he was saying like, okay, in a few minutes. 
you're going to walk in on an awkward scene of me and your secretary, like, you know, on top of each other. And, you know, you're going to be there because you're getting files or something. And that scene doesn't end up happening. Because he warned him. He warned him. Yeah, things were changing around. And I did like how, you know, that was playing on both sides, how both characters, both factions, I'll say, um, were trying to be smart about the fact that they were in a time travel story and it, it bit them a few times. I also like in time travel stories like this where the characters are aware of their choices that they make and the butterfly effect and the bootstrap paradox and all of that, that no matter what, there's something in whether it's the human condition or that character specifically, or again, as I mentioned before, the grand nebulousness of time, reality and fate, that certain things just recur no matter what, such as the roses, the lady who sells the roses, no matter what, in each loop, he's going to get seven roses because it's good It's good luck. Hmm. And that always kept happening. And the movie ends on that in particular. Like That's where the movie is ending on. And I thought that was such an interesting thing because even in spite of all of the science fiction he's gone through, he's still gambling on just luck winning out. Hmm. And that's an example of that because... He comes to several points in which he just kind of throws his hands up in the air and accepts that no matter how much forethought or planning he puts into these things, it may not work out that way. So we've just got to we just got to ride it out and see how it goes. Hmm. I do like also that um you know outside of the Nazis, who obviously their motivation is to do this thing, you have a setting where time travel is just a thing that exists, and no one really seems to be trying to, like, manipulate that for their own ends. Like, when Charles dies, our main character doesn't go, like, oh, I should go back in time and stop this. It's just, like, a a thing that you don't do. So it almost kind of emphasizes, like, oh, the fact that the Nazis are thinking this means that they're on that sick of a level. And you can just arrest the Nazis just as you would with any petty criminal and throw them in the paddy wagon and just... (laughs) Off they go. When you put it that way, yeah, that was funny. Like, it's not like a a, a federal operation sting where they've got the... No, it's just like, you, I heard something nefarious is going... The most genuinely, like, tense arrest for me is that one guy in the airport that never really had any repercussions, the one who would come over and uh, take that guy's, like, box of clothes or whatever, you know. That, yeah, like, yeah. He always, in the time loops, never had anything to him because he wasn't involved, like, in the time travel itself. He just was in the airport. Yeah. But I like that they got him, too. And that was shot, like, a genuinely, like, e- eerie, moody moment that you would see in a cop film. Or in a thriller, like, where it's yeah, like, oh, he, we got, we he got, got caught head-randed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we even got you, too. Like, we even got you, the little guy. You thought you could get away? We got you, too. I just transcribed that. Did I say head-randed or not? Red-handed. Let's say you said red-handed. Yeah. I think we were talking at the same time. I couldn't tell, but something well, felt it's wrong. It's okay. We'll let it go, baby boy Bartek. I want to know we'll what's wrong with we, Sorry. Play it back. I'm not going to do that. You play it back at home. Uh, but... He makes a choice as things goes along to have multiple versions of himself. So the Nazis are very much like, no, 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 no. You can't have more than one version of yourself. You need to kill that other one because you're the prime version and they're not. And our main character disagrees with that by the end. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I think it would actually benefit me to keep lying. (laughs) 
<laughs> Keep doing shit. Keep my past self around and let them live a version of this life and I live a version of my brother's life. I love that, honestly. He did say earlier on that, you know, I, I want your life. I would appreciate it. And that's where he ends up. I like that he helps himself to also get a better life. It's not just like, oh, I, I just because of being here first, I'm going to get the better opportunities. He also goes out of his way to help his previous, like his other self, uh, to have a better way of things. Hence, you even end the movie on the other version, giving a thumbs up, a Twin Peaks thumbs up. <laughs> and I love that. Did you think they were going to do the, because they tease it at the end, the, the typical thing you see in these, like the 12 monkeys, the typical thing of, ah, uh, you thought you could defeat time, but you're going to get killed because they tease that. I mean, he almost gets run over himself. At the end, when he's in the street, he almost gets run over by the paddy wagon. And then he's like, hey, oh, be careful. And then he sees the Nazis in the back. Did you even think for a moment that the film could commit to an ending like that? No, it didn't cross my mind. When it did that moment, I was, I remember being in my seat being like, oh, I was actually surprised that he lived. Because I was like, oh, because that's a, that's a viable option for this movie is he could get hit by a car and it just, you know... The old version of him that exists there would just go on. The the film definitely has a a matter of factly blase uh, attitude towards death, where many characters die throughout the film, and it's never uh, other than you know for our main character that his twin brother died. It's it's never something that's dwelled on too much. Was it satisfying though that? Both of these guys get to live, and the one that we followed along the way does eventually assume his brother's identity, but he's going to do it in a good way, and the other one is just like this hapless, clueless guy who's just like, okay, sure. Yeah, it, it was, again, it, it played into that that comedic attitude the film has about death, um, but also had this sort of, you know, fairy tale logic to where, like, well, no, all, all of these elements here are happy. He's going to be a better Charles than Charles was, and he, he, there's a version of himself that is just being himself. Yeah. I recommend this movie. If people, you have still not seen this, it is available, as I said, on YouTube. It's an easy watch. It goes down. The pacing is really good. It has some great sequences, uh, and it it's just a it's just a fun time to see Nazis get get what they deserve. Uh, there's just some wacky shit in there on the occasion. They're throwing their grenades at their own Nazi officer friends, and they're just like, like the Nazis are feeling bad about throwing and shooting back at fellow Nazis. That was that was an amusing little detail that they had in there. Like one of them was hesitating to throw grenades at them. And what are the Nazi grenades called again? Like they have those specific ones that they have, like where they're like on the they stick. Have, they have like a little, yeah. I, I don't know the name. They, I, I've played Medal of Honor games. They have the names of those ones in those games. So I've played I may, some games that have. I, them I may too, have I to scrub remember. back and find out what they are. Oh. But uh, I recommend this. I think it's a good time. I'm glad that there are people who are keen and excited for us to do more Czech films. And and please, if you have any Czech films you want us to look into and do on the podcast or look into our in our own spare time, recommend them to us. We will try our best to find them and find ones that we can obviously uh, enjoy because 
subtitles is the thing, as well as just availability. I mentioned Happy End earlier. That used to be like a public domain type one where it was just on YouTube and Wikipedia and stuff. And it was in the list of those, like, these are zany movies you can watch online for free. Not anymore. It's just can't do it. Yeah, we And have... there's no DVD with English subtitles. It fucking kills me because I know online there were English subtitles for it. Yeah, and we it all just have, kills me. We both have our stories. Like, you've got the Foon thing where SBS wouldn't give the subtitles. <sighs> Come, oh, man, Foon is a movie I'd love to do on the pod, but it's impossible. <laughs> you, you made it sound good, yeah. It's so good. And remember a few years... It has a 3.4 on IMDb, but I think it's a 10. <laughs> a few years ago, we had the running joke about that African film that I wanted to do. We've long since stopped talking about that one because I just couldn't find it. Oh, but, and, but we do have success stories sometimes. We did do that Polish film. And we have this as a this. success yeah. story. There's another one that's in my checklist that's about a cat that wears special glasses. That's all I'll say. I am I already recommend that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, tomorrow I'll wake up and scold myself with tea. Did it live up to the hype and would you recommend I do recommend it. Um, in terms of hype, yeah, we had two or three YouTube commenters recommend this one. Uh, basically, all the all the Czech recommendations we've gotten are in the YouTube comments of the other Czech films we watched. So mm-hmm. if you go to the Lemonade Joe, Dinner for Adele, and Gentleman, I Murdered Einstein comment section, you'll probably see the various titles that we have on our list. Yes, uh-huh. I, I'm glad. I hope the people you know from Czech or elsewhere that grew up with these movies or deeply familiar with them hope you enjoy our commentary on them and what we have to say about them is just a couple of schmoes from Australia who stumbled across uh, Lemonade Joe and was just fascinated by all of the filmmaking and the acting and the comedy there and wanted more because this is this is great I'll just say it the 60s to the 70s to the early 80s for, for you know, Czech filmmaking, gold. It's been nothing but gold. I've yet to encounter one that I was like, I, I really didn't like this one. There's been there's no, ones we, that I like more than others, but they've yeah, all been enjoyable. We, have, we haven't hated any of them. There are some that we disagree on, like, oh, that one was better than that one. But no, none that we've hated. Uh, so Lemonade Joe is still our top one, though, I think. Nothing, I don't think anything will beat Lemonade Joe. <laughs> The fact that it's in Lemonade Yellow is impeccable. Mm. Uh, and when we covered that, Julio was like, I don't see the purpose of this. And, I'm, and, and all of us were like, because it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. And it's just amusing that it randomly it's like, now they're sad, it goes to blue. Uh, but what is your recommendation for the film we'll be covering next, Bartek? It is your turn. It is. I've been waiting in line, and it's finally my turn. And I had a friend, you know, keep my place in the line because I had to go to the toilet at one point. Okay. Yeah. He went home, so, you know, he's gone now. Uh, the film that I'm recommending for next week is a film that I have seen before, but it was under weird circumstances, and I don't remember too much about it. So I want to rewatch it to remember what it is. I think it is a film adaptation of a Stephen King book. It's from 1998, I think. It's called Apt Pupil. Do you know this one? Yes. Yes, I do. I was going to share a fun trivia fact of why I do, but then I remembered the trivia fact is about the pedophile director, so we can enjoy <laughs> that conversation for the next when episode. I was, when I was looking up the film, I was like, that's the name of the film, right? I saw who it was directed by. I'm like, oh, I've, I've heard of this director. Not too many great things, but I've heard uh, of him. He made, great, he made some great movies, but a bad guy. A uh, bad guy. I mean, he did the X-Men movies. That's 
why Ian McKellen is in the X-Men movies, because they did Apt Pupil. Oh, there you go. That's why he's Magneto. Have you seen Apt Pupil? Yes. Okay. So we will get to... But I've only seen it once when I was like 15. So I will be keen to give this a watch and go through it because it's very hazy in my... Basically, what I remember is those facts I just said and Ian McKellen's really mm. good in it. And other one or two little things, yeah. but we won't get into it I, for I, the I, sake I, of people yeah. who have not seen Apt Pupil. Make sure to give it a watch for yourself in the meantime. Make sure to tune in for our next discussion so that you can be all ready for our, for our learning about why this pupil is so apt. Yeah, I think it's a pretty apt follow-up to this film, which has oh, Nazis yeah. in it. Yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to, yep, yep. And I thought you were going to say, as a teacher yourself, you're really always after apt pupils of, of certain ways of uh, learning. Yeah, I like to steal their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apt pupil, uh, everyone, watch it. In the meantime, you can find us on social media under Spit and Polish Presents. You can email us over at... Spitandpolished at gmail.com. Recommend films to us so we can add them to the list. We're growing shorter on our film list, so feel free to add to it if we can find it, and if it's a, a, a you know an actual movie, uh, TV movie stuff is a lot more difficult to find, and also you know they're kind of less interesting to talk about. Like actual movies would be appreciated. Uh, so please head on over to our social medias or email us with any questions or thoughts on things we've said as well as recommend things to us. But until next time, remember that the Nazis are a joke. They're bad. They suck. If you do time travel and try to restore their glory, you're a fucking dope and you should be executed by your old, uh, your younger self. Like a dog. Like a dirty dog. I do like that in my day-to-day life, I do not see them much. 